Welcome to Medically Speaking, Auburn's own medical radio show with host Dr. Mark Vaughn of the Auburn Medical Group and Larry Finney. Welcome to another week of Medically Speaking Radio with Dr. Mark Vaughn. And I'm Larry Finney, the not a doctor. Yep, we're here again to talk to you about all the medical news and medical issues that we need to let you people in the foothills know about. Well, what's one of those things? We're going to talk about neuropathy with Dr. Bombach later on. Would that be Dr. Neil Bombach? Yeah, you might remember him from a few shows back when we spoke about, what was it we spoke about with Dr. Bombach? Goodness. Dementia. Dementia. Okay, I was, I was going to say, I, I couldn't remember. Whoops. <laughs> we, we need a, a refresher on that one. Well, no, I just, uh, you insert your own irony joke. We have uh, still, we encourage people who are Facebook users to get on to our Facebook fan site. It's growing all the time. And we can have communication there, so don't be afraid to ask a question on the, uh, they call it the wall, right, on Facebook? You write on the wall? Oh, they can write to us. They can us. write questions, and everybody can participate in that. It's a way to uh, continue the dialogue even past the hour on Saturday mornings that we all share. We also have the, uh, the podcast that's available. It's on iTunes and other podcast aggregators, or you can just find it off of the website and subscribe. Uh, tell your friends about it that live all over the country and tell them to rate it so we uh, come up higher in the, the rankings so people will know about it. And we'd also like to remind our, our listeners to support our advertisers, Sutter Auburn Faith Hospital, Sutter Auburn Drug Hospice, not to mention the Auburn Medical Group, Lake of the Pines Music, Auburn Drug Company, Dr. Rodney Kihara, he's a dentist here in Auburn, and the Gritstone Rock Club. Yes, we do encourage people to let our advertisers know that you hear about them on our show so that they'll continue to support the show. We have some things coming up in our community that are of great interest to many of you. Uh, actually, several of them right th- here through the hospital that we have coming up. One of them is for smoking cessation classes that are available through Sutter Auburn Faith Hospital. Uh, there's one coming up. It's designed by the American Lung Association. has a title. Its name is Freedom from Smoking. It's a seven-week program that's open to anyone who wants to learn how to quit smoking. It runs on Tuesdays starting October 13th. Hey, that's uh, next Tuesday from 5 to 6.30 p.m., so an hour and a half on your Tuesday evenings starting October 13th for seven weeks. If you smoke, get to this thing. It's a great way to stop smoking, lower risks for your health, and also uh, save some money. I believe that smoking uh, and cigarettes is one of those things they tax. Is that correct uh, there, just, tax man? Just like soda. Well, they're, they're thinking about the soda. Don't get me started on that soda tax thing again. Okay. They're going to be talking about uh, trigger identification and using medicines to help with uh, quitting. Not that you have to, but those are some things that do seem to help when you use them. The studies are finding that uh, on on any given attempt, someone trying to quit smoking uh, is only able to do it a minority of the time. But when you start to combine techniques, like using medicine and a program like this, or combining two different types of medicines, the success rate goes up dramatically. And we have another event coming up on the 15th. That'll be this Thursday. The Faith in Flight Barbecue Dinner for uh, a fundraiser benefiting Sutter Auburn Faith Hospital Foundation. Uh, it'll be a barbecue dinner uh, featuring the cooking of Master Barbecue Chef Virgil Trainer. And it'll be held at the Auburn Airport Hangar Number 51 with a keynote speaker, Clarence Bud Anderson. Area 51. Area, did I say Area 51 or no, Hangar 51? I said Hangar. Okay. Yeah, no aliens here. This is uh, Hangar 51. Anyway, Bud Anderson, a... Uh, World War II triple ace fighter pilot and a former military experimental test pilot will cool. speak about his past piloting experiences. Tickets are $25 each. 
and all proceeds will benefit Sutter Auburn Faith Hospital Foundation. For more information, contact Carol Zobel at area code 530-888-4557 for tickets or more info. And then we also have information, again, uh, through the hospital on free mammograms. You, you heard that right, free. It's not for everybody. It's for people who do not have health insurance. It's for women. That's true. Yeah, not, even not though, for men. Even though men do uh, get breast cancer and some actually die from it. Get out. This is only saying it's for women. Well, we only screen for women because it's not worth it to screen for men because you're irradiating more people and causing harm to them than you're helping. So One more thing to worry about for me. All right. Anyway, carry on. Okay. Uh, it is at, through the hospital, Sutter Armour Faith Hospital. It's October 24th from 8 in the morning to 4 p.m., and you need to register for it ahead of time. In fact, you have to register by, by the 14th. That's this next week. So the number that you need to call is 886-6562, and we'll also have that on the website. If you don't catch the phone number, you can always check. Uh, anything like this that we talk about is on our notes page at medicallyspeakingradio.com. Now, when we're talking about free screening mammograms, free means um, irrespective of whether a person has health insurance or not. No, no, it's... Right? Well, it says here, available to women lacking health insurance. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. It's so, a freebie. Which is a lot of people out there. I have Why? patients who yeah. don't get mammograms because of the expense. And this this is exactly what I, I want them to be aware of so they can get. Yeah. Why would you miss the opportunity? And finally, a Sutter, uh, Sutter Auburn Faith Hospital is hosting a free educational lecture about colorectal cancer. Now, it's not a pleasant subject. And, uh, and I've been through the screening myself, and let me just tell you personally, it's ain't that big a deal, really. And and for for what you will learn through the screening, it's far it's well worth it. But if uh, if that doesn't convince you, it's a free dinner, okay? If you feed them, they will come. This is going to be at October 29th in conference rooms A, B, and C at Sutter Auburn Faith Hospital. October 29th, dinner will be served at six. And the lecture begins at 6.30, and the cost is, yes, it's free. It costs you nothing. So to register, you may call Amy Bazzaroni at 530-886-6534, and you may respond by leaving a message, but please include the number of those attending. And again, that number is on our website at medicallyspeakingradio.com under the show notes if you didn't quite catch that. There's a, a story that came out in Oregon about a a person impersonating a doctor. Apparently, he was actually performing surgery. My, minor surgeries. But 22 years old. Although I'm one of these people who, uh, you know, I think the term the minor surgery is a is an oxymoron. Uh, anytime you're taking a knife to me, that's that's not minor. But the story basically says this. Man did surgeries as a fake doctor. A 22-year-old Crooked River Ranch man. And it says that this guy lives in Crooked River Ranch. Go, go figure. Uh, this is in Oregon, was arrested and charged with impersonating a doctor, giving out drugs, and performing minor surgery. Uh, Scott E. Hansen, who has no medical training, performed minor surgery on at least three people, according to police. Uh, he claimed an affiliation with a local hospital and first convinced a longtime friend that he was a doctor. That okay. friend, according to the police, then referred others to Hansen. Uh, now, let me get this right. He's 22 years old. 22. Has a longtime friend. Yes, Okay, so if he's known him for four years, he's known him since the age people graduate from high school. Probably. And he convinces this guy that he's a doctor. Yeah. I'm wondering about the friend. Well, anyway, 
that, that they, he he get he got away with it. The police searched his home, uh, but other than saying they found medical medical supplies, they wouldn't specify what else was found there. And he did these surgeries in people's homes. It's, it's a, this is true outpatient surgery. He comes to your house to do it. I mean, what could be what could be finer? House call surgery. House call surgery. He'll take care of that. So. Uh, Just get up here on the table. But the article helpfully informs us that Oregon requires a license to practice medicine in their state. Yes. And uh, in California, people practice medicine under all sorts of licenses that the uh, state boards have chosen to recognize. Well, the the article ends with some very helpful information that I would like to pass on. Uh, Although none of the victims were seriously injured by Hansen's surgeries, uh, the, the medical board fellow says, as far as I know, they're okay. We suggest they be seen by a real doctor. Now, we joke about this, but how can one check to find out if their doctor is real? You ever have that experience? Oh, well, you just go to the state board website. Right. Um, do a Google for medical and, or California State Board of Medicine. And fr- yes, and, and frankly, it's it's a little more common than, than people realize the uh, concept of, of uh, people who represent themselves as licensed professionals actually faking it or that their licenses have been expired for quite a long time. And I, I can speak from experience in my, my work with uh, the State Board of Accountancy, who regulated CPAs, and there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of folks out there who pretend to be what they're not. Yeah, and you can just, all, all these things that are regulated by the state, you can just look at the appropriate board online and, and look them up, find their license number, find out everything you want about their status. But uh, d- does uh, do people in Auburn ever pretend to be doctors? People in Auburn pretending to be doctors. Let's see. We have something from the Auburn Journal. Or the from, AJ. It's for, we, we, from September 30th. Yeah. An Ro- Auburn man wrote himself a prescription, a prescription for a jail visit after he allegedly tried to pose as a physician. The guy was writing prescriptions for himself or calling them in at least to a, a local pharmacy, and they asked the police to come and be there when they told him the prescription would be ready. Well, do we know he was writing them for himself? Oh, I guess it doesn't say that. Necessarily. He, but his, his point was to obtain the prescription. Correct. For whatever nefarious reason he had in mind. Probably for drugs of abuse because that's usually what it is. Your, your opioid family of druggage? That or the, the sedatives. Those are what you usually find when this happens. Right. It doesn't say in the article. Yeah, so he's not going there for Tylenol. Well, that's that's not a prescription, but yeah, <laughs> right. Probably not. Now, now you're talking about uh, the guy doing the operation at home mm-hmm. and uh, licensed practitioner. What, what about, I, I know many people have this experience because the patients come to me and describe it, their spouse wanting to take care of acne on their back. Tell me, have you ever known somebody uh, or heard of this practice? Uh Oh, let me get that blackhead, honey. Have you ever heard those words? Or well, it's, it's only when you can't find bubble wrap to pop. You know, it's it's a good substitute for that. I prefer I prefer bubble wrap. I, I, I'm kind of thinking this is one of those nearly universals in families, at least in a, in Auburn. Okay, that, well, that uh, does that does something like that constitute the practice of medicine? Does it now? That, that's a good question. I don't know. I it, uh, because it, it's included in the practice of medicine, but maybe there's a bit of an overlap there. Uh, something you can do for yourself. Well, does changing your own oil require a license from the uh, uh, automotive bureau? Yeah, I guess you kind of. Yeah, that. yeah. So, so, I, you know, because so that's changing your own oil. Now, yes. if you have your spouse change your oil. Well, is that a euphemism for? <laughs> well, never mind. I'm gonna go with. Uh, well, look, I would pick it in the streets for my right to pop my own zits. Okay, I, I don't want the government. I don't want the government. Telling me what I can do with my skin. I, I can see it. I'm talking 
Proposition 1A right now. It's going to be in the next election. <laughs> the government taking away your right to pop your own zits. What do we have coming up after the break? Well, we have our interview with Dr. Bombach. College students have been known as a culture to use, um, well, pharmaceuticals recreationally. I've heard of that, yeah. Here's, here, we found an example here of them using it, um, well, kind of like athletes would use steroids. That's right. Testing for academic doping. Uh, this, this is an article from the AP. Uh, Although the increasing use of smart drugs known as nootropics will be hard to ban, it could lead to the use of routine doping tests for exam students, according to a report issued recently. Writing in the Journal of Medical Ethics, uh, Mr. Uh, Dr. Unpronounceable of the Department of Psychology at the University of Sydney pointed to the abuse of smart drugs among students wanting to achieve higher academic standing. Uh, now, Okay, he, he noted that the uh, increased use of off-label drugs, or off-label use of drugs, such as dexedrine and Ritalin, could u- lead to the use of urine tests for exam students. Now, there's going to be a pop quiz class <laughs> handing out the little plastic shot glasses. <laughs> Not those kind. Yeah. <laughs> And if you don't pass, you don't get to... As laughable as it may seem, goes on the article, it is possible that scenarios such as this could very well come to fruition in the future. Well, again. Yeah, and uh, people will recognize the names of these medicines. These are actually the medicines used to treat attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, otherwise known as ADHD. Uh, and there's one, I think, that is used to treat uh, Alzheimer's? They, they did mention that down at the end of the article, the uh, Aricept. They... they Put that in the list there, along with another one that I believe is in the same class as Aricept. Drugs used to treat Alzheimer's disease to try to slow the progression of loss of cognitive function. Smartness in a bottle, they call it. Smartness well, what about those little candies that are called Smarties? Smarties would those, maybe those should would be. Those are over the counter, though, so that would be okay. Be you can eat as many Smarties as you want before a test. Hopefully our listeners won't be uh, abusing these drugs for purposes like that. We need to get uh, ready for a break here, and uh, as soon as I can get that disclaimer read, we'll go right right into the break. The content of this website and the Medically Speaking radio show are meant for entertainment and for general information purposes. No doctor-patient relationship is attempted or implied through the show or the website. Any medical advice, home remedies, and all other medical information on the website and radio show should not be treated as a substitute for medical advice or your own doctor. Do not attempt any treatment mentioned on the website or the show without consulting your doctor. Always consult your own doctor if you're in any way concerned about your health. If you need a doctor and live in Placer County, call Janet, 886 86 Again, that's 886-8630. If you have a medical emergency, call 911. Medically Speaking Radio, Dr. Mark Vaughn, Auburn Medical Group, KHI Radio, and our sponsors are not responsible for any diagnosis or treatment made by anyone based on the content of this website or the Medically Speaking Radio show. In addition, the views and opinions expressed on the show or linked websites are not necessarily those of Dr. Mark Vaughn, KHI Radio, the Auburn Medical Group Incorporated, or any of the show's sponsors. Time. That is a new world record. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Mark Vaughn has read it in a new world record time. Gritstone Rock Club is Auburn's premier climbing and fitness facility. They offer rock climbing instruction for climbers of all ages and ability levels. In addition to classes, Gritstone Rock Club hosts birthday parties, has a team building ropes course, and provides professional outdoor instruction. If you want to climb with Gritstone Rock Club, contact them at 530-885-ROCK or online at gritstonerockclub.com. 
Larry, have you ever been to Auburn Drug Company? Yeah, that's the one with the marble soda fountain at 815 Lincoln Way. Yeah, right there in front they have the marble fountain. And in back is an independently owned pharmacy right here in Auburn. And that thing has been around for a long time. Since the 1800s. They are so great because they actually fill your prescriptions when you ask them to, unlike the chain drug stores that make you wait. You know, and waiting there wouldn't be a big crime because, heck, you could always go to the soda fountain. That's Auburn Drug Company at 815 Lincoln Way in downtown Auburn. Give them a call at 885-6524. Few things in life are harder than thinking about serious illness or the death of someone you love. Research confirms that Americans want the basic services that hospice provides. Care at home or in a home-like setting. Treatment that preserves a sense of dignity and respect. Emotional and spiritual support for patients and for their families and effective pain management. Hospice helps patients and their families deal with end-of-life challenges in a life-affirming, compassionate way that brings dignity, hope, and love to every day of life. This message of love and caring is the focus of hospice care. This message is brought to you by Sutter Auburn Faith Hospice. We can be reached at 886-6650 or click on the link for Sutter Auburn Faith Hospice on the Medically Speaking Radio website. Now, back to Medically Speaking with Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney. Welcome back from the break. We are here now with uh, Dr. Neil Bombach of Auburn Neurology, and we'd like to speak a little bit about neuropathy and uh, associated disorders with neuropathy. Uh, if you were to give us just a, a basic primer of what neuropathy is, and that class of disorders, illnesses, and diseases that are associated with it. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, neuropathy, most people think of neuropathy in the, uh, uh, the general sense as pain. Now, neuropathy to a doctor and to a neurologist means there is a disease of the peripheral nerve. And the peripheral nerve is any nerve that is outside of the spinal cord or the brain. The central nerves are the ones in the spinal cord and the brain. So any nerve that is outside of that, uh, which goes from the spinal cord out to the target organ, be it the skin and your toe or uh, onto your eye, those are all peripheral nerves. Now, neuropathy means there's a disease of that nerve. That covers all of the different uh, problems that go along with the neuropathy, including neuralgia, which just means a pain, neuritis, which means inflammation of the nerve, uh, anesthesia is loss of sensation, and that usually refers to when you're being put out by gas for uh, surgery. And then one of the main disorders that's out right now or, or in the news because of a new vaccine is the neuropathy that comes following or, or with shingles. Yes, that's right. Shingles being a reactivation of the chickenpox virus, uh, also the name for it actually is herpes. It's a herpes family of virus. Yes. Herpes zoster being uh, what you call it when it's shingles. We have that, and it seems to be more prevalent in uh, people as they get older. Yes. Although not limited to people at, at an older age. But there's something different about when you get older and you get shingles. Yes. The reason you get shingles as you get older is you lose your immunity. When you're a kid, you have chicken pox and you develop an immunity to it. And as you get older, you lose that immunity. When you lose the immunity, the virus, the herpes zoster virus, which has been living dormant in your nerve cells close to the spinal cord, 
they become activated again. The immune system uh, surveillance system uh, doesn't recognize the virus, and the virus crawls out to the end of the nerve, and it erupts. It uh, makes little uh, uh, ulcers and sores and scabs, and it's very painful because the nerve itself is what is being uh, attacked and uh, damaged. Is it specific to nerves that uh, transmit pain messages? It's specific to sensory nerves, and it's specific to uh, uh, all of the nerves that travel from the periphery, that is the skin or your toes or your fingers, from the periphery uh, to the uh, spinal cord. So that covers all manner of sensation, including uh, sensations of pain, temperature, position, vibration, light touch, two-point discrimination. So it covers all of those aspects, and it can even cover the motor nerves, which are the nerves that go to the muscles, and, and it can, in some cases, cause paralysis, and in some cases, even cause stroke. How long does it usually last? Well, the, the um, open sores uh, last about two weeks, and then uh, it takes about six weeks for the... Uh, for the sore to heal, for the scab to heal, and uh, for the uh, scab to fall off and uh, uh, develop into what appears to be a, uh, a more brightly colored uh, skin scar. Are, are auditory hallucinations often associated with this? Because, uh, for example, I, I could, I, I, maybe it's just me, but I thought I heard an airplane going by, and I, I'm hearing blackbirds. Is well, that... I think that's true, yes. Uh, I, those are probably not hallucinations. I, I forgot to... to set the uh, the environment here for where we're recording. We're actually recording on uh, Tim Boughton's property. Some of you may know Tim Boughton has uh, Amber Oaks where they have the, the berries that you can go and pick or children go on field trips and they, they sell berries out there out at uh, on Shanley Road off of Mount Vernon Atwood Roads. Um, it sounds like Tim's leaving. I, I think Tim is leaving. Yeah, that's <laughs> what that sound is over there. So uh, we do thank him for letting us use this Beautiful location for uh, for recording and hopefully using the uh, the equipment that was helped to be purchased by Lake of the Pines Music will make it more enjoyable for our uh, podcast listeners can listen to this with the stereo field. But but returning to the condition we were discussing, whose, whose name I forget, as a layperson, uh, could you remind me uh, this this was herpes zoster or post herpetic now post herpetic neuropathy. Okay, is the pain that lasts after herpes zoster resolves. Okay. Right, and it's really uh, post-herpetic neuralgia. Uh, the nerve remains intact, and neuropathy specifically refers to the death of nerves, uh, disease of the nerves that causes the nerve to die. The uh, herpes zoster doesn't actually kill the nerve in most cases, although it can. In most cases, it just damages it, and it causes scarring, and as a result, you have uh, persistent pain, uh, usually described as burning, aching, uh, itching, uh, grabbing, twisting, uh, squeezing type of pain. And that's a neuralgia. And I'll often have patients describe the pain as um, things that don't normally hurt, that are just a sensation, are actually felt as painful. For example, sheets on the bed on your skin, it hurts. Or wind blowing past your skin is a painful sensation. Correct. Okay. Now, when this hits, sometimes it'll hit in the in the face. Yes. For example, 
uh, our patient who's giving his account of it, uh, John Reinking, who gave us permission to share his story, and we'll be playing that in a little bit. His was actually in the first branch of the trigeminal nerve. Yes, I know it well. Yeah. <laughs> so that in addition to the regular pain, he also has these lesions on the cornea of his eye, risking actual uh, interference with his vision. Yes, you can go blind with that. Yeah. So there are reasons that we would want to treat this early, and there's ways that we can treat it when it first comes. Yes. The the best treatment, obviously, is prevention. And the best prevention is the uh, herpes zoster vaccination. And I encourage anybody above the age 65 to go and get their herpes zoster vaccination. The treatment, once you have herpes zoster, is frankly not that effective. But we do treat with prednisone and acyclovir. Um, those will reduce the inflammation somewhat, and there is controversy as to whether it makes any difference whatsoever in the development of post-herpetic neuralgia. The older you are when you get uh, herpes zoster, the more likely you are to have a residual, continuing, chronic, lifelong, absolutely disabling pain called post-herpetic neuralgia. You get to be 70, you have a 70% chance of, of having that post-herpetic neuralgia, 80 80%. 90 years of age, 90% chance. Hmm. So very important to prevent the darn thing from occurring. Okay. Well, is, it, is it of any assistance or of any benefit for someone younger than 65 to get this vaccination? Could someone say in their 50s or their 40s get it? There's no reason to get it when you're younger than 65 because almost everybody has had chickenpox. Hmm. And uh, chickenpox um, immunity is pretty vigorous and maintains itself through uh, your adult life. Uh, after the age of 65, it begins to wane, and you need that extra boost. I just want a correction. It's age 60 that it's indicated for. Age 60. Yeah, Thank you. I've forgotten. Uh, anybody over age of 60, we recommend that they Time for that. me to get one. <laughs> what we'll do here... This is terrible. I'm getting to be too old. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and play the actual uh, recording from my office of of John Ranking sharing his story. Hi, I'm John Ranking. I'm a retired Placer County Superintendent of Schools and been a resident of Newcastle for the past 22 years and of Placer County for over uh, 45 years. Uh, Dr. Vaughn, the experience with uh, the shingles started on May 9th, uh, 2008, and that's after you had advised my wife and myself that we probably should get a shot, and it was about a month before I, I got them. So unfortunately, I did not get the, uh, the shot, and I ended up with a severe case of shingles that came up over the top of my left side of my head and on my forehead. I was uh, rushed to uh, UC Davis in uh, hospital in Sacramento, and they did save my left eye, which also had some shingles infection in it. So they saved my eye, and I had a, a tremendous amount of scabs on my head, and here it is uh, 16 months later. I still have numbness. Uh, in my forehead and uh, and have uh, a lot of pain in my uh, left eyebrow. I will add to it, doctor, that uh, I was going to play in a golf tournament about a week after that and uh, the guys heard about me sick and saw a picture of me and about half of them went and got their shot immediately uh, after they saw that and they still give me a thank you for getting sick for them so they wouldn't get it. So. It's been a very painful experience. Uh, slowly but surely, the nerves are regenerating, the surface nerves are regenerating, and the eye is uh, not affected right now. 
And so other than the eyebrow and just having a numb spot in my head and I can't sleep on my left side of my head, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's slowly regenerating and coming back, uh, hopefully to normality, but I don't know if it'll be normal again. Well, I surely would advise everyone to get their shingle shot uh, to prevent them from uh, getting this uh, illness. Your loved one just collapsed. You know to call 911, but how long is it going to take for them to get there? Do you know what to do? SmartHeart CPR will give you the skills and knowledge to be the first link in their survival. With over 40 years combined experience as paramedic firefighters, SmartHeart will train you in a fun and relaxed environment. Visit us at smartheartcpr.com or call 916-704-4470. That's 916-704-4470, smartheartcpr.com. Since 1966, Sutter Auburn Faith Hospital has been providing award-winning care to members of the community, to people just like you. The tradition of excellence continues today with our comprehensive family birth center, cancer services, 24-hour emergency care, and a whole range of outpatient services with convenient hours and locations to serve you. In addition, we've been recognized for excellence in managing heart attacks, heart failure, pneumonia, and surgical care. We are one of a select few hospitals in the state to earn recognition from VHA's West Coast region for sustained outstanding clinical performance. To learn more about Sutter Auburn Faith Hospital, visit us on the web at sutterauburnfaith.org slash medically speaking radio. That's sutterauburnfaith.org slash medically speaking radio. Sutter Health, with you for life. This is Dr. Mark Vaughn. I want to tell you about my dentist, Rodney Kihara. His office is located right in town at High Street and Auburn Folsom Road. His staff is pleasant. They smile when you walk in, and you know who they are because they're there every time. We're talking about Flo, Cheryl, and Judy. Their pleasant faces welcome you into the office and let you know that you're in the right spot, a comfortable place to go to the dentist. Call Dr. Kihara's office at 888-1966. That's 888-1966. The doctor would say, don't stick anything in your ear. Unless, of course, it's medically speaking. On K-High, the voice of the foothills. Now, back to medically speaking with Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney. We're back from the break. You're listening to Medically Speaking Radio with Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney and our guest, Dr. Bombeck from Auburn Neurology. Is that the name of your practice? Yes, it is. Okay. And uh, when I talk to patients or other other consultants, there's always a question of how to correctly pronounce your last name. So let's put it out there once and for all. <laughs> how do you pronounce this neurologist's name? Well, if you're German, you pronounce it Bombach. But if you're American, you pronounce it Bombach. And I, I respond to either way. Okay. So call you either one, just don't call you late to dinner. Just don't call me late to dinner. Just, just spell it right on the check, right? There you go. <laughs> so when, when we're... Uh, before the break, we were listening to uh, Mr. Reinking describe his experience of having had shingles and wishing that he had gotten the, the vaccine that we had talked about earlier. And his friends, of course, all went and got it and since have not had uh, any events of shingles. Have we heard of problems with the vaccine? Yes, there is. Um, the most um, serious problem is a... Uh, uh, Reaction, an antibody reaction to the uh, vaccination. And that occurs very uncommonly. 
and it is a, such an uncommon occurrence that taken on the balance, if you look at all of the people that are immunized against the number of people that develop a reaction to the vaccination, it is clearly to everybody's advantage to be vaccinated against the herpes zoster, vac- uh, herpes zoster um, uh, infection. Okay. And so we'll continue to encourage people to do that. Absolutely. And where can people get this vaccination, those who are suddenly uh, spurred to action? Uh, my patients can get it from me at Auburn Medical Group. Uh, pretty much every primary care doctor is carrying it in their office, I believe. Okay. They do, but it's uh, of limited availability at times. I've had patients tell me that it is difficult sometimes to obtain it. So uh, it's you go where the, vaccina- where the vaccine is uh, available. You don't wait until it comes to you. You go to the vaccine. And it's not covered by Medicare. That's correct. It's an unfortunate uh, issue, but uh, trust me, you're way ahead by getting that vaccine. And, and it's also expensive. It is a couple expensive. hundred dollars. Uh, so it, it is. You would pay two hundred dollars to avoid this pain any day of the week. Yeah. And the reason that we would encourage people to do it is because it actually does affect about one in five people. That's my understanding. The incidence of shingles is somewhere in the range of. One, yes, one it's, it's uh, fairly common. So, so two hundred bucks is cheap insurance in this case. Two hundred bucks is very cheap, especially if you stand a twenty percent chance of, of yes. uh, contracting this. Yeah. Okay. So we've certainly covered the the post-herpetic neuralgia, not a true neuropathy, and the shingles issue. What are some other uh, types of neuropathy or terms associated with neuropathy that people should be aware of? Well, neuropathy covers a a broad range of problems, and the common theme for neuropathy is pain or weakness. So if you have a pinched nerve from a herniated disc, that's neuropathy. We call that a radiculopathy or a a radiculitis. If you have uh, an immune reaction and it attacks the uh, nerves in your shoulder or in your uh, uh, pelvis, then we call that a plexopathy. If it attacks the nerves that are in your face, then we call that a cranial neuropathy. All of those are peripheral nerves, and so they come under the big umbrella term of peripheral neuropathy. The symptoms that people describe are those those that include burning, tingling, aching, squeezing, stretching, and the sensation as if you're walking on rocks or if your socks are wadded up underneath your toes. Those are the sensory neuropathies. There are motor neuropathies where you have weakness, and there are autonomic neuropathies where you have difficulty with uh, sexual function, lightheadedness, control of the urine, constipation, sweating, dry mouth, visual blurring. All of those are autonomic neuropathies. So there are a variety of different neuropathies, and they all involve the peripheral nerves. The most common identifiable cause for peripheral neuropathy is diabetes. And that's diabetes type 1 and diabetes type 2. The longer you have diabetes, the more likely you are to have it. The less control you have of your diabetes, the more likely you are to develop these peripheral neuropathic pains. So good control of diabetes, good control of the sugar is, is essential. And we that's something we routinely screen for in our practice. Primary care doctors are looking for diabetes because it is so prevalent right now in in the United States. 
But uh, what other conditions bring on these neuropathies? It's not just diabetes. That's, uh, that's absolutely correct. There's a number of different causes of peripheral neuropathies. It goes all the way from infections, such as uh, syphilis, West Nile virus, leprosy, tuberculosis, to medications, which can be uh, things like uh, cisplatinum, colchicine, all the cancer chemotherapy medications. Of course, poisonings can do that too. Uh, not having uh, buckthorn ticks, uh, botulism, diphtheria, there's a variety of different causes. Those formulate the, uh, really the, the, um, um, the minority of, of peripheral neuropathies. The great major- majority of peripheral neuropathies are from diabetes, and then you have this large category where we never find the reason. And I tell my patients that once we've ruled out diabetes, and underlying cancers and abnormal proteins, most of the time we're not going to find a reason. We, medical science is not advanced enough to identify at least a quarter to maybe a half of all of the causes of peripheral neuropathy. Now, did you mention alcoholic peripheral neuropathy? I didn't, but that's an important uh, category because alcohol uh, will definitely cause a peripheral neuropathy. And People oftentimes ask me, well, how much alcohol is, is, is not good for you? And it seems that above four drinks a day, that's four ounces of a hard liquor, uh, or four glasses of wine, or, or four, four beers. beers. Uh, so if you look at that, if you're drinking four beers a day or four glasses of wine, which is about uh, a full bottle of wine, if you're drinking from a half to a full bottle of wine or you're drinking two to four beers a day, uh, or you're drinking four to six uh, ounces of hard liquor, you're at risk for developing a peripheral neuropathy among other problems, including your liver and your brain and your spinal cord and so on. Yeah, and the other problems, medical problems related to alcohol, we actually encourage people to not exceed two Correct. drinks daily. Um, but four is what you're saying as far as that's where we start to see people You're over the top. To, yeah. Four is over the top. Okay. And uh, there's actually potential treatment for the alcoholic neuropathy? Well, the, the treatment for alcoholic neuropathy is stop drinking. Stop drinking. And there's some uh, vitamin deficiencies that people with the alcohol neuropathy often have coinciding with that that, that are causing neuropathic symptoms also. Those are That's right, and those are the malnutrition uh, types yeah. of neuropathies because when you uh, drink a lot of alcohol, oftentimes you uh, don't have a good diet, and so you're deficient in B1 or B6 or B12. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the, on the other hand, if you take too much B6, uh, then you can cause a neuropathy too. So you, uh, right. you, you don't want to go overboard with the, uh, uh, with the vitamins. So the alcoholic neuropathy doesn't really have to be treated. The, the patient just has to disengage from the bad behavior. Correct. And then restore normal nutrition. And then get back to normal nutrition. That's right. Okay. I think another uh, area that is important and, and interesting is Guillain-Barre. A lot of people know about Guillain-Barre. Fortunately, it only occurs in about 2 out of 100,000 people, so you're not likely to get it. However, people have associated the uh, uh, seasonal flu vaccine with uh, Guillain-Barre because they remember back to 1976 when uh, vaccination caused about 24 cases of Guillain-Barre and people have been quite frightened of the uh, uh, seasonal flu vaccine since then and that's really an unwarranted concern. 
Uh, Guillain-Barre is a very uncommon disorder. Fortunately, we do have very good treatment for it, and just about everybody recovers, uh, nonetheless, we, to be avoided. And we should say that in the trials of the H1N1 vaccine, they did not find Guillain-Barre Correct. occurring with it. Now, what is right. Guillain-Barre? Do we know it by a more common name? or? No, we know it by a more complicated name. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, see, I don't want to open up that Pandora's box. Uh, so uh, Guillain-Barre is a... Uh, uh, it's a uh, paralysis and numbness and tingling that begins uh, in the toes and is associated usually with uh, back pain, follows oftentimes a flu-like illness uh, or a uh, infection with um, a cytomegalovirus or, or one of the other uh, viruses. And it, it uh, gradually, progressively uh, paralyzes a person and, and uh, left untreated can... Uh, result in death at least 30% of the time, but it is treatable. Uh, so it's a, uh, it's a very uh, uh, tough diagnosis to make sometimes because it doesn't always go to paralysis. It oftentimes starts out just with numbness and tingling, not following a, a cold or a flu, and uh, progresses to uh, some mild weakness. But when it is full-blown, it can be life-threatening, and it is treatable. We have a very good treatment uh, by infusing uh, high doses of uh, immunoglobulin G, and that usually arrests the uh, progress of the disease, and the person is pretty much over it in a matter of uh, days, actually. All right. How are we doing on time? Well, what we're going to do is take a break right here. We're sitting here with Dr. Bombach out in this beautiful countryside, and we will return after this break. Hi, I'm Michael Paul, owner of Lake of the Pines Music, my little spot, and your music shop in the foothills. Over 125 kids, young and not so young, are taking lessons every week on almost every instrument you can pick up with the most comprehensive music teaching staff in Placer and Nevada counties. In four years, Lake of the Pines Music has established itself as a family-friendly and a fun place to find not only your special talent, but to share it. Students perform at monthly open mic nights, including the kids in our Rock Band 101 program. We sell, we fix, we rent, but many times we just like it when you come in and play, touch, listen. It's your music store. It should be filled with your music. You see, it's all about music at Lake of the Pines Music. Highway 49 at Wolf and Combi Roads. Call 530-268-2500 and just ask for Michael. I don't know much about a lot, but I know a lot about music. This is Dr. Mark Vaughn. I wanted to let you know a little bit about our practice at the Auburn Medical Group. The physician, nurses, and front desk personnel all approach the patient, asking themselves the question, how would I want to be treated if I was in the patient's shoes? Listen to what one of our patients has to say about her experience at the Auburn Medical Group. My name is Susie Brown. I just want to sincerely thank that group of people for being there for me in some emergency situations. They are very efficient. Their staff, including their receptionist, even when you call her, she's got uh, sympathy and compassion for you. And when you're ill, that's what you need. The nurses, the nurse staff is wonderful, and Dr. Vaughn, listens to everything you say and they just get on things they do not let anything lag if you need a doctor call us at 886-8630 or look at our website at auburnmedicalgroup.com do you find yourself overspending overeating or in unhealthy relationships is your anger out of control or do you struggle with drugs and alcohol 
Are you tired of just trying harder to deal with your struggles? If you answered yes to any of these questions, there's help available. Celebrate Recovery is an international ministry that meets locally at Parkside Church, 3885 Richardson Drive, Auburn. Meetings are held every Friday night from 6 to 9.15 p.m. All areas of recovery are welcome. Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered, 12-step recovery program that offers real and lasting change. Contact Sheila Dobbin at 823-9911. That's 823-9911. For a listing of Celebrate Recovery locations, go to CelebrateRecovery.com. We invite you to join us at Parkside as we celebrate recovery. Now, back to Medically Speaking with Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney. And we're back from the break. Uh, This is Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney. Uh, Our guest is Dr. Neil Bombach, a neurologist. And and I uh, was going to ask a question now uh, to both of you docs who um, I'm sure you've had people come up to your cocktail parties or whatever at their events and say, you know, doc, I have this friend who... But in this case, I, I'm going to proceed my, my question with that. I, I do, in fact, have a friend, a colleague who... You have friends? I do, <laughs> oddly <laughs> enough, strange as that may seem. Um, I, I pay them well. Uh, who has uh, occasionally had this um, uh, electrical shock sensation on the cheekbone uh, near the nose. It, it, it causes them to wince. It, it's not enough pain to give more than name, rank, and serial number, but, but it, it actually will cause them to stop mid-sentence and 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 wince you witnessed this i have witnessed this and they told me that i can't remember what the name they gave it but it 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 comes and goes and um and without medication um it has gone away for now a period of of several weeks maybe even months now but the history is it, it comes back now and again yes i recognize that it sounds like trigeminal neuralgia which is a uh, uh, disorder of the trigeminal nerve, which is the large uh, sensory nerve into the face, covers the face, the eye, the inside of the head, the jaw, the tongue, uh, the gums, the teeth, and oftentimes is misdiagnosed or initially, I should say initially diagnosed, as a problem with your teeth. And I've seen many, many patients who have multiple teeth extractions. Mm. They've, They've had their teeth pulled because the pain is in the tooth and rightly or wrongly the uh, the thinking is get that tooth out of there and it'll stop the pain well if it's trigeminal neuralgia that doesn't stop the pain and he's describing the uh, second branch right we That's, were just talking about the first branches. branch uh, right. was the one that was affected by the shingles in right. John Reinking in his account this is the same nerve just same a different nerve. branch Right. The cheek and below the eye and above the mouth, right. that area. And usually in the top teeth and the palate can go into the tongue, can go into the ear. These are among the most uh, most severe and most distressing pains known to man, the trigeminal neuralgia is. And the curious thing about these types of pains is that they are persistent. They are chronic usually. Uh, we think they occur because one of the small arteries that runs with the nerve gets a kink in it. And the kink in the artery uh, bounces against the nerve and acts like Chinese water torture on the mm. nerve and causes that nerve to demyelinate, which is to lose its insulation, and then it generates these electrical discharges. 
The second thing we know is that the more often that these pains occur, the more likely they are to reoccur. And our goal with treating these is to stop the pain completely for at least one year. Because if we let them go, the nerve and the brain seem to learn how to have these pains. And what we want to do, in a sense, is to let the brain forget about how to have these pains. These pains can be among the most disabling, and there is a surgery. Uh, we use uh, Now we use the uh, gamma knife, which is uh, intensely focused radiation to kill off the nerve, and that is oftentimes successful if the medications have been unsuccessful. There are a handful of medications that can be very helpful in uh, treating this condition. Tegretol is the most widely known, but Neurontin also works, Baclofen works, uh, Lamictal uh, sometimes works, but uh, suffice it to say there are medications that are beneficial, and the goal is to stop those pains dead in their tracks so that there is no pain. And it's um, it's often the case where the pain will go away. The person's taking the medicine, and they say, oh, I'm cured of the pain, so I'm going to stop my medicine. They stop the medicine, the pain comes back, and it's very difficult to get that pain under control again. So I ordinarily ask patients to go one year, no pain, no hint of pain, zero, not a big goose egg. That's what we want to see with the uh, trigeminal neuralgia. Now, in, in the in the case where you use the, what you call it, the gamma knife to... to um take out the nerve or to deaden the nerve, does that affect the patient's ability to uh, smile or move the facial muscles in any fashion? Ordinarily not. The uh, the gamma knife is a highly focused. It focuses down to the size of uh, a little bigger than a couple of pinhead sizes, and it focuses the radiation onto the trigeminal nerve, which is almost exclusively sensory. There are, uh, there's a small uh, uh, branch to uh, the buccal muscle, but that's of uh, little consequence. And ordinarily, folks notice little or, or no effect from the uh, uh, gamma knife immediately. It takes uh, six weeks to three months for the full effect to be felt. And ordinarily, there is little or no uh, loss of sensation. So it, it really turns out to be a very effective uh, treatment. We used to use surgery, open surgery. We'd drill a hole in the back of the skull, go into where that nerve is, um, separate the nerve from the artery, and clip the posterior, cut the posterior two-thirds of that nerve. That had about a 1% risk of causing paral of uh, numbness to the eye, resulting in repeated infections and uh, loss of the eye and, and blindness as a consequence. The uh, medications that we use for trigeminal neuralgia before we start on the medicines, wasn't yes, there yes. also um, glycerin injections? That That's right, glycerol injections. We, right, we used we used to do that in uh, people 65 and older under the idea that if they developed the most feared consequence, which was anesthesia dolorosa, which means painful numbness, uh, people injected with the glycerol, which is an alcohol uh, injection into the uh, nerve, where the nerve comes out of the skull, uh, those individuals had a significant risk of developing this painful anesthesia. So we figured, well, if you're 65 or older, I guess, you know, if you get it, you're not going to live that many years. But that is rarely used nowadays. We uh, almost always go right to the uh, gamma knife. Anesthesia dolorosa. Sounds like an Italian film star. It is, yeah. <laughs> He's a Fellini star. <laughs> So, um, can we move on to medications? <laughs> Sorry, yes, do medication. <laughs> I, I, I noticed medication. that uh, yeah. three of the four medicines you named uh, were actually anticonvulsants or medicines yes. that are used to stop seizures from occurring. 
Yes, epilepsy medicines. And there's a reason for that. Epilepsy is a... Uh, um, uh, it's an electrical storm in the brain and in the nerves, and the medications used to treat epilepsy suppress and prevent the uh, spread of the electrical activity. The fundamental problem with uh, neuropathic pain is that the nerves become hyperactive and they start sending abnormal signals. Either they short-circuit, in the case of the peripheral neuropathy, uh, or they are uh, compressed and they uh, send... Um, Abnormal signals because of compression, uh, such as with uh, uh, a, uh, a median neuropathy, uh, carpal tunnel syndrome, uh, perineal neuropathy, uh, radiculopathy, such from a herniated disc, and so on. But the the, the purpose of the anticonvulsant, the anti-epilepsy medicines, to prevent the spread, to prevent the propagation of the uh, abnormal electrical signals. The other medication that is very effective for uh, treating particularly diabetic neuropathy is uh, Pamlor or Elevil in low doses. Uh, these are called tricyclic antidepressants. And oftentimes patients get confused that they're being treated for depression when, in fact, it works very well in decreasing the uh, pain signals. And finally, uh, narcotics, also called opioids. Narcotics are a mainstay for pain control. It takes uh, a, f a fair amount of uh, narcotic pain medication to control uh, neuropathic pain, uh, but it is often our backstop and is, is really the, the only thing we can offer to folks who have failed with the tricyclics or the anticonvulsant uh, medications. Now, we're seeing not only neuropathic pain, but in other types of pain, using both the tricyclics and the SSRI antidepressants uh, for helping with pain. Um, so people may be familiar with that from other types of pain that they may have that's being treated, back pain, for example. Correct. Uh, you mentioned the tricyclics. Tricyclics being uh, the type of antidepressant you would have to take m multiple times daily, three times daily, twice daily, and that uh, had a lot of side effects. They were popular yes. in, the, in the early 70s and have since been replaced by others, but do a great job as uh, an additional agent to help with these pains. Oftentimes it's used in combination, what yes. we call adjunctive treatment. That reaches us to uh, about the end of our discussion of neuropathy with Dr. Bombach, uh, or Bombach. You'll go with by either. Either one. We sure appreciate you joining us out here in this beautiful environment to talk about this subject. We want people to remember to visit our website at medicallyspeakingradio.com. Those who are uh, Facebook users, we invite you to become a fan of the show at Facebook. And those of you who are using the podcast, please enjoy the stereo podcast. We've now converted to uh, all stereo podcasts. And you may need to resubscribe by going to whatever your podcast aggregator is, iTunes or whatever, and uh, resubscribing so that you can make sure you continue to get it because we did change our feed. Until next week at 10 o'clock on K-High, the voice of the foothills, AM 950, or medicallyspeakingradio.com or khigh.com. This is... Dr. Vaughn, Larry Finney, and our guest this week, Dr. Bombach, saying stay in good health.